Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Lisa Moskowitz is a registered dietitian and CEO of her own private practice in New York City. And most recently, she's the author of the Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan. Her personalized science-based guide is built from over a decade of Lisa's experience in private practice, nutrition workshops, and being featured regularly in major publications and on popular news channels for her advice. The Core 3 Plan is a product of everything Lisa knows and believes in to help you lose weight, feel great, and find more food freedom. And you all know how I feel about that. We're going to talk about all things healthy eating and what makes for a full plate. Lisa Moskowitz is in my heart. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Well, I'm just going to kick us right off with this statistic. One actually I found in your book and that it's 95% of weight loss diets fail. And what you said in your book is you quoted, I believe a more accurate statistic is that 95% of diets fail people. And I loved that. That like made my heart sing because we're all bio-individual. We are all completely different genetically made up and what works for you may not work for me. So let's get into why you feel that it's more accurate to say that 95% of diets fail people and why you felt through all your years of experience and all the literature and texts that's already out there about dieting, why the core three plan? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because I do think that a lot of people out there try to do whatever they can to feel their best. I mean, at the end of the day, we all just want to feel good from the inside out and we deserve to. And I, I always applaud people and I want to encourage people to find more answers and find more solutions. And it's okay to go on a diet, even with that, the, the odds stacked against us, it's still perfectly okay to want to do everything you can. However, it's a way of preparing people for the fact that it is really hard to diet. And there's a lot of reasons why many of them don't end up successful, at least long-term, and they're not necessarily sustainable either. So the reason that I bring that up is because people will internalize that. They'll blame themselves. I don't have any self-discipline. It was my fault. Why can't I just do this? Why can't I get to the gym every morning and wake up three hours early and sleep for three hours every night and only order the salad at dinner while, you know, and not touch the bread basket. My friends aren't touching it or my friends are touching it. We compare ourselves. All of this noise that constantly, constantly circulates our mind can make us feel really bad. And when we feel bad, 
we don't necessarily want to do good things for ourselves, and we can get into this doom spiral of more negative thoughts and more negative thoughts. And then you are the one standing in your way. But at the end of the day, just knowing that it wasn't your fault, that diets often fail people. It's not that you fail the diet. And in many cases, when they don't work, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a sign that you've you're listening to your body better and you're not trusting a plan to tell you when and how much and what to right. eat and where to eat. It's like telling some, it's like listening to someone tell you how much oxygen to breathe and how much to pee every day. It's ridiculous. Right. We should be able to trust our own bodies and diets often take us away from that at least while you're following them. So the reason I put that in the beginning of it is because I want people to understand that it's not their fault. It's not their fault. They're struggling with body image issues and food issues and weight issues and, and weight related medical conditions. They didn't choose that. They right. didn't wake up and say, I just want to feel this way. And it's all my fault. So that's why I, I made sure to, to really highlight that. I wanted that to be the first thing on people's minds when they opened up the book. I'm so glad that you did because, you know, the, 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 the fact of the matter is out there, we do know people want to get healthy. I mean, look at what's happening. You and I have been working in wellness for a long time. And now look at the trend of wellness and the crazy. And that makes me happy because I'm so happy that people are leaning in and it's awareness, right? It's choices, right? We all have these choices, but people do want to get healthy, but they don't know where to start. And, you know, when we talk about the age of social media and what I call the diet wars, which a lot of people probably call, you know, and products made of propaganda, you know, like um, low fat, high fat, paleo, vegan, raw food, ketogenic, intermittent fasting, you know, and they're all pitted against each other. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about it. It's like all fighting for your almighty dollar. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that is a problem because that is really a lot of what's leaving us feeling bewildered and frustrated right. is a lot of the propaganda out there because right. it's not just about the food. Right now, I, I want to just dig right into the food for a second, though, because there are some basics in food that I want to talk about with you as a nutritionist, and that is the food industry. And the food industry has been built on three secret ingredients that aren't so secret, but I want to talk about them because they're very important for people to understand that salt, mm -hmm. that sugar, and that's fat. Mm -hmm. Any processed food that you find out there, and you're going to, I know you're going to ring my bell nutritionist, any fast food or processed food that you find out there is going to be teeming with those three ingredients. And the first one usually is salt. Mm -hmm. because if you tasted any uh, chips or fast food without those three ingredients, salt, sugar, and fat, it would be, taste like cardboard. That's right. They want it to taste good. Right. So how is that tricking us? Talk from the nutrition yeah. level first yeah. about how is this tricking us into thinking sometimes we're doing the right thing with propaganda, low fat, no fat, right. whatever, and then how we're getting addicted in a way to foods that keep us coming back because they're feeding our brain signal. It says, Ooh, happy. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it, it is. There's a reason why these foods are, are, um, the ones that people normally crave or the ones that people binge or the ones that people feel out of control with. And, and part of that is because they often taste better. They're more enjoyable. They, they play into that reward center and that pleasure center in our brain. And the reason they're in foods is because they want it to taste good. It's like what I tell my clients when you're eating out, yes, there probably is more salt, sugar, and fat and all these things because they want you to come back. They want you to enjoy the meal. And these are the hyper palatable ingredients. So there's a, a good solid reason for that. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I always like to tell people, look, I, I, and I believe, obviously, I'm a diet registered dietitian. So I understand there is it's very important to under, to know what you're putting in your body, how that's affecting you, how that could be setting you up for better health outcomes or more health consequences. I'm all about the knowledge and the empowerment. But the problem today is that it's become so binary. It's become so polarizing of this is good and this is bad. Yes. And like you said, all of these labels on food products are what we call the halo effect, where we can think something's healthy because of a label. But when you really look at it, it might not be the best choice for you, or you might buy it because it's keto friendly, but it tastes awful and you don't enjoy it. And then you end up eating more because you're not satisfied. And what, what is the point of that? Like, really, what is the point of that? So I always like to 
explain, look, we want to focus on what to add in to our diet that's more nutritious, more whole foods, more plant-based foods, foods with antioxidants and fiber and omega-3s, the things that we know have the highest impact on our health and the most helpful to our health. But that doesn't mean that there's no room for salt, sugar, saturated fat, ultra-processed foods, because if we tell ourselves they're off limits, and just using that terminology that these are bad, they're off limits, they're di- you know, they're not good for our diet, it instantly activates this place in us that we want it more. It's like yep. the guy that didn't like us in high school, we always liked him more. And then once he liked us back, we we're like, I don't even want you anymore. It's the <laughs> same concept. It's like psychology 101. So that's the best way to explain it to people. However, salt, what we have seen, and this is just the the facts and the science, people that eat more salt in their diet, they tend to crave more salt. We actually can become less and less sensitive to the salt taste. So the more we eat, the more we want. We also see that high salt diets can actually increase hunger and appetite. Um, And the same thing with sugar, the more we have, the more we might want. But it's more obviously more complicated than that. It's not as simple as saying, avoid it, get rid of it. Because the reality is it is everywhere. It's all around us. People will say, I'm not, I don't have any of it in my house. I have to, I can't keep it in my cabinets in my refrigerator. I'm too afraid I'm going to eat it. And I'm like, and I'm like, that might work for you right now. But, and this is like for younger clients, what happens when you have kids? What happens when you have partners? What happens when you have roommates? What happens when you go to friends' houses and, and holidays? It's coming back. You cannot escape you. It will find you. And so what you're only, the only thing you're doing is sending a message to yourself that you can't be trusted around it. And that is what contributes to this cycle. So it's a combination of knowing the foods that are nutritious and that are healthier and making room for foods you also crave and enjoy. And let's face it, the foods that can taste better, but that doesn't mean that you can't also enjoy a salad. Of course, salads can be very enjoyable, but it's the combination. We have to have that balance. Yeah. I I love that you said that. I mean, like nobody is going to turn away the deliciousness of a chip, a salty chip on your tongue. I mean, I think the potato chip actually is the ultimate of all three, you know, salt, sugar, and fat, everything in there. Exactly. Totally. And, and I love a potato chip and America should have a potato chip. You know, that's the whole point. I, I love what you said. I hate the limitations. You know what I mean? I hate the ideas of limitation because I think what's missing in a lot of the messaging And what's missing fundamentally really is an understanding that nutritious food often is quite convenient. People don't realize that. Let's just think of an apple comes in the perfect Mm -hmm. wrapper, right? Dr. Michael Greger reminded me of that. Um, And that good food contains powerful compounds, right? That can prevent and even reverse disease and help you feel your best. Now people, cause people go around thinking that feeling lethargic and tired and out of energy is normal. It is not normal to feel tired and out of energy Correct. and lethargic all the time. Correct. You know, these are not normal things. And so what we're missing is in fundamental food and fundamental nutrition, it gets, it's pretty simple. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is it's about shifting our thinking is really what it's about. Right. And what you mentioned in your, in your book and what I loved about what you said is, is that, yeah, all those things are true. An apple is healthier than a bag of potato chips. Duh. Right. We all get it. What's missing. And what I feel like you're providing is people need structure. Mm -hmm. When you're going out for a new journey, right? Mm -hmm. You need a map. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I feel like, you know, the core plan provides for people is a roadmap because the goal is that that potato chip or that food choice that has always been the one that gotcha, it just doesn't get you anymore. It's like water on a duck's back. You become Teflon to those things and they no longer, they could be around, they could be Mm. like, I could have a room full of junk food and I could be starving. And I, none of that would in my brain sensory would say, that's going to make you feel full. That's going to, that's going to feed what you need. right? Right. I know already, but it's taken me, you know, 20 years to get there. Right. right now, it doesn't have to take people that long, but let's talk a little yeah. bit about that, that critical, critical component of structure and yes. learning to listen to your body and learning to really 
I don't know, tell the truth to yourself when it comes yeah. to listening to your own body. Well, that's what it is too. It's accountability, it's self-awareness. It's all of those things that we really, and mindfulness, like it's these things that really get lost when we have these busy schedules and businesses and kids and yes. other obligations yes. and distractions and all these things. So the structure in the plan and the reason why I... I do often encourage people to start off with some kind of plan. Like you said, you need a roadmap if you're starting any journey is because a lot of people that are coming to me or reading this book, for an instance, they are feeling usually lost. They're feeling disconnected. They've tried all these diets and what diets do is they further disconnect us from our body. So to tell them, just listen to your body, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, eat what you're craving, but then walk away when you've had enough. That's like speaking a foreign language. They're like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. And it's like, they will either not come back or they'll just laugh or they'll feel even worse because I'm making it seem so easy when it's really not. That's the reality. So a plan, a structure is like the training wheels. We put on the training wheels so that you can like practice riding the bike and you have these little boundaries, these guardrails, and you can kind of make some choices, but also have this to refer back to. And then eventually over time, once you have that plan in place, that could also, by the way, help people understand an estimated nutritional needs, give them an idea of what to eat. Some people are so like, I just like literally don't know what to eat. This person saying that and this and dieting has become so dogmatic with like, this is the way to do it. Like we talked about before. So they're just looking for, just tell me what to do because I'm so lost and confused. I can't do it on my own. And the plan can also teach them how to balance a plate. So it can tell when we're talking about balance, you know, it can mean different things for different people. It's not a specific definition. It means different things. So when I'm speaking about balance, I'm talking about having a variety of food groups, having a variety of macronutrients like carbs, proteins, and fats, but that's all wonderful. How do you actually put that on your dinner plate? Like, how do you make that? Like, what are we talking about? So that's what people often need so that they have the ability and the bandwidth to then focus on all the other things like paying attention, practicing hunger and fullness, being self-aware, practicing limiting mindless eating and stress eating and all Mm -hmm. of those other things that, that are the biggest pitfalls that I see with many people. So that's where a plan can really help. And that structure can be really educational, but it can also just be that cushion that they need so that eventually they can ride more freely and we can take off the training wheels and they can feel like I have a good idea of portions. I have portion awareness is what I like to call it. Not portion control. And I do put portion sizes to give people an idea of what that looks like in the book. But I always say it's, it's, it's having the awareness, not controlling. And I don't even really encourage like food scales so much. I think maybe right. like a week or two, and then you should be able to eyeball it because it's, it's too rigid and granular. And I just think you're, you're complete. It's like the opposite of, of practicing that food freedom. Right. Right. So. And not everybody has a portion control issue back to the beginning of the podcast where everybody's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, my issue might be the food choices and not necessarily the portions, right. Or the hours of the day I'm eating or how much I'm eating or all those things, because, you know, again, it's the shift in thinking, right? Because I mean, I think all the science that I've ever read, and I'm curious to see if you would agree with me, but it's, I'm going to say a very simple statement. That's very complicated because like exactly what you said, it's very easy to tell people to eat more vegetables than, than you do lean proteins and have like, you know, most of your plate be full of vegetables and greens, but the minute, and everybody can do that. And then the minute they get to a place where there's no vegetables, they're, they're frozen. They don't know what to do. I don't know how to eat now. Right. You know, the salad was always the fallback, but what I always say is a plant-based diet with wild fish and lean animal proteins is really the best diet to keep your health and your foundation strong. You know, generally speaking, if I can generalize it, you know what I mean? Like, and when I say proteins, like you, there's amazing ways to get proteins outside of animals that people don't understand. And that's with legumes and chickpeas and beans and fava beans. And there's all these amazing proteins, you know, that you can find. And people just don't know that that's a choice they can make. And then they're like, they see a can of cannelli beans and like, ew, this is my dinner. Like, how? but then your book will right. give them some recipes. And like, so it's kind yes. of, it's choices, right? Like flipping out um, a high saturated fat animal protein for a plant protein that's full of phytonutrients and has more vitamins and minerals, right? So those are the ways that we can say, you know, eat more berries, eat bok choy, have ginger, you know, these are all good things. But to me, that's in a way like the phase two 
Yeah. It's just like, and, and I think that's what I liked about the core plan. It's steps, you know what I yeah. mean? So like, you don't have to go from zero to 60. The right. first thing to do is fundamentally understand the food that you're yeah. eating per your instruction, right? In the book, you know, yeah. or something else that you've found that you want to go on a plan and then think about it. How does it make me feel? Don't rush from one step to the next. Right. Live in the step, right? Because right. that's the only way... What I have discovered yeah. also in, in my nutrition work is, is that it's not even about the food. The mm -hmm. hardest thing to get someone to change is their lifestyle. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. The hardest yeah. part is to change the lifestyle. And you have spent all these years building this lifestyle. You cannot lose yeah. it and change it overnight. You've got yeah. to make new changes and think differently. Yes. Yeah. Right. And a lifestyle, you have also to think wherever you are now, like you mentioned, didn't happen overnight. It's not right. like you woke up one day and the scale was up 30 pounds and your blood sugar was high no. and you had no energy. This is a long, long thing building up to eventually get you to this place where you're not happy. You're not feeling great. You want to make changes. So then you can't expect it to change overnight. And that is really hard for people to have that patience, especially with weight loss, because people want those insta results. They want the instant gratification. They want to see I'm putting in the work and I'm getting a clear reward from it. And when they don't see that on the scale or with their clothes or in their blood work or with their energy levels or their skin or their hair, whatever it is, it becomes really, really discouraging. And yes. then they feel that motivation starts to sort of fade away. Yeah. And then they self-loathe yeah. and it's all, and then again, the blame game, it has to be someone's fault. Right. right. But there's also people that aren't, you know, like necessarily needing to lose weight. There's people right. who we call it skinny fat, right. And people who are out there that are very yeah. unhealthy. And if you ran blood work on them, you would be like, Oh my God, how are you living? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just now more than ever. I really feel like Again, the change took time, not only in our own bodies, but for our communities, for our nation, yeah. you know, globally, yes. you know, it's yes. critical for our population to start to use food as medicine. You know, that's yes. really what I'm, you know, on my soapbox about not only to boost our own health and to reduce, you know, our overall burdens that we have, but it's reducing the overall burden on our healthcare system. Yeah. That didn't happen overnight either. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and it's already buckling over the burden of COVID-19, right? And then you lay on top of that chronic diseases mm -hmm. that are really based on inflammation in the body, in the human body, which affects six out of 10 Americans, yeah. Right. Inflammation. But we, we don't talk, you know, we, we, I'm not even allowed to say that word on television when I'm selling beyond fresh, I'm not even you, allowed to say the word inflammation. You know, when we know that every do, any, any functional medicine doctor will tell you right now that, you know, America's walking around inflamed. Yeah. <laughs> We're on fire. Right. Right. It, it, and some of it is unavoidable and inflammation isn't always a bad thing. And sometimes it helps us. It's part of our immune system and it talk helps about us feel it. And Please. right. But it's, it's something that I think once you could describe and identify what the real issue is, people can then feel empowered to do things. They know what the objective is. Like, what am I trying to do? Like, why am I eating these foods? Why am I eating that food? Sometimes people don't even care. They're just like, just tell me what to eat. I don't even want to be like, don't even worry me about the reasons why I just want to be told what to eat. Right. But we know that, like you said, food is definitely, it can help the symptoms or it can make them worse. And right. that's it. Like you didn't get diabetes from eating uh, ice cream. You know, it was happening because of various issues. And we even know saturated fat can contribute, but genetics, environmental factors. So there's all these other things around, but food could either make it better right. or it could make it worse. So yeah, if you're pre option you have. Yeah, if you're predisposition toward diabetes because it runs in your family and you eat jelly beans all day long, well you're going to get diabetes. But if you chances yeah. are, okay, really good chance. But if you know you have diabetes in your family and you work hard at understanding sugar and how it affects the system and you work hard at building your stacking the odds in your favor against diabetes, then that's exactly what you're doing. Using yeah. food to stack the odds in your favor against right. disease and toward good health. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because I, I do think that that's important. And I, you know, I definitely take a spiritual path when it also comes to food and nutrition, you know, and the, and the full, full plate. And I, I, you know, I definitely talk about, you know, gut health and things yeah. like that. You know, we all have these yes. biological networks in our bodies. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that I want to just touch with you while I have you on the phone, because 
you know, there's stimulation, right? Which is the gut, right? We have our defense and, and repair. We have the immune system, right? We have our energy, how we make energy, how we detoxify, our transport systems, our circulation, um, our communication systems in our body, our hormones, our transmitters, our structural system, you know, and all those are influenced by our lifestyle. Yep. Can you just as a nutritionist, explain what that means to people that by our thoughts, our feelings, our relationships, our diet, our exercise, our sleep, all of those things, all those intrinsic relationships, they're also influenced, influenced by external factors like toxins and allergens. Like we are not just being attacked by the food we're putting in our mouth. And how do you as a nutritionist balance that side of the coin for people when it's not just about the pasta? Yes, a hundred percent. And it does sometimes make our, our, my industry more fascinating and interesting. And that's why the learning is really never done. I mean, there's always more things to learn and understand about in nutrition science. It's, it's evergreen, but also ever evolving. And so it is important for us to have a general understanding when we're talking to people specifically about food, that it might not just be about the food. And like you mentioned, a lot of times it's, it can be very psychological, there's biological, there's environmental things. So there's all these other facets to it. It's very nuanced, but generally when I'm talking to somebody about, they're coming into me for any reason at all. I, I always believe in those four pillars, nutrition, exercise, sleep, and stress. You know, I usually break it down into those four things. And that's what I chose to kind of focus on with people because I don't want them to feel, and that's why I love functional medicine. I really do. I appreciate it. I'm constantly researching and looking into things just so I have more solutions. But I have to say, sometimes it can be very overwhelming for people when they go in and they get these, like they give like 20,000 vials of blood and their blood work is like 10, like it's like a novel. And they're like, what am I doing with all this information? And a doctor can't even possibly explain all that well to a patient when they have 20 minutes or even a 30 minute appointment, which is you're very lucky if it's not five minutes, if it's more than five minutes. So people can get very overwhelmed by that. And I believe that it is our job. Like we're that person, we're that profession that can try to try to simplify it for them and make it more digestible and make it more approachable because it can be very, very intimidating and overwhelming. And so I really try to do that. I mean, my philosophy is like, look, let's just be super practical and realistic here. Like, yes, you could go and get all these blood tests and we can see that your CRP is high, which is your inflammatory marker. And we can see that your thyroid's a little off and we can see that your vitamin D needs to be a little higher. And there's certain things that are priority, but certain things like, and DNA testing, we could see that you might be susceptible to getting this at some point in your life, but it probably isn't an issue right now. Where do we draw the line with like getting information so that you feel empowered to do something without feeling totally hopeless and overwhelmed and where the hell do I start? So that is kind of what I tried to be a point person. And the the other part of that and kind of sad part of that is often dietitians are the last resort instead yeah. of the first person that they speak with. We're often the last resort after they've tried everything, after their doctor to put them on medication and then, then push them out the door after a two minute appointment. So I'll see you in six months or they, you know, so we're often the last or they'll say, go work out first. And exercising is great, but you know, we know that nutrition and exercise go hand in hand. And I will say, and I obviously I'm a little biased, but I do know that nutrition is often a little bit more important than how many times a week you're going to the gym. I, yeah. like, let's just say a little bit, just a little bit. It's so, a lot more. It's a little little. Thank you. Okay. It's <laughs> a lot more. So, so you know, move I, your body. We don't want you not to go to the gym, right. but they have actually have different functions for they your do body. Have very different functions and they go hand to hand. One, one helps the other. There's a synergy. Yes. So I, I feel like we, want to, you know, give people information that they can use and do it in a way that's like, let's break this down to one, like, let's take all of this, yes, put it into a funnel and say one thing that you can start with this week. Let's just get more leafy green vegetables. Let's yes. have you doing a smoothie every day. Let's try a supplement. Let's talk about just hydrating more. Let, you know, it's a, like meet them where they're at. Yes. And then I have the people who are doing everything in the world. And then we all, we have to like take things out because they're doing too much. So like, it's right. You know, there's different, different types of personalities out there. Well, I'm so glad that you said that oftentimes you're the last resort and you know, I'm here to tell you, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I have Lisa on the show is because 
you need to just think about what your choices are and your opportunities are out there when it comes to changing things in your life that you don't, you're not happy with. And Mm -hmm. the doctor is not always the first stop and the answer. And we've been conditioned to think that and doctors, we love you. I mean, thank God for Western medicine and all that stuff. But what I'm saying is, is that, and and most doctors that you talk to will admit this Western medicine is uh, the whole idea around it is to cure is to fix not prevent. Hmm. And so if you go into the doctor with a bellyache or you've got some weight gain and you know, you're bloated and you feel lethargic and stuff like that, the chances are they're going to run some blood work and they're not really going to ask you about your diet or they're not going to say, what are you eating? And so, you know, health coaches like me or straight up, yes. you know, dietitians and nutritionists, yeah. we are that place for you to go to feel not, there's no judgment. And all we want to do is help you feel better. Now we have more time for it too, because yes. sometimes doctors just don't have the time. Like they, they might have the knowledge and the tools, but they just don't have the time to do it. And it takes a lot of time. We can't simplify it. There is a point of truth that we all have with ourselves that we can say when we can tell ourselves the truth, when we're making a choice, that's maybe not as good for us as it could be. And most of us, and I don't know about you and your patients, but you know, a lot of the people that I worked with as a health coach, if you ask them what they think they could do better, I mean, they'll, the list will start, the list will start and they already know. And so again, it goes back to the hardest part is changing that lifestyle. So I, I, I really just want you guys to, you know, look up, you know, Lisa is going to talk about it at the end, her private nutrition practice. It is a big practice. She has a lot of nutritionists and they're working with her. Please. If you're not in the New York area, you know, fine. And you are looking for help. There are people out there to help you through your challenges. Um, and I want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit more just about the book and some of the things that you did. You talk in your book about the four eater archetypes, and I wanted to talk about that. Yes. So thank you for bringing that up. So one of the things that I really made sure to do with this book is, and I did this purposely intentionally, of course, because I saw there was a major, um, gap in the industry about plans that can promote weight loss, because I'm not particularly anti-weight loss. And I think there's people out there that can do it in a healthy way and have really good outcomes. Uh, But what I've seen is that often what gets neglected is relationship with food, is addressing, like we talked about a few times, right? Like the psychology behind it and how you're looking at food and the thoughts around it and what you're telling yourself and how you're labeling it and how you're using it. And so what I really wanted to do is start off the book talking about relationship with food and relationship with your body. So I go into body image and then I go into relationship with food, which is the first part of the book. And what I did in that chapter, in that section, is I divided into these four archetypes that I've seen most people really fall under. And that doesn't mean you, you're just one type, one archetype. You could have two or maybe three. You could fluctuate from one to the other, depending on where you are in your life. So the four major archetypes are the erratic eater, the dependent eater, the judgmental eater, and the obsessive eater. So the erratic eater is that person that usually doesn't eat that much when they're stressed. They're going through their day and they're, they're skipping meals or they're picking more at food just to kind of get them through, get them to their next step. They're really just, food is like an afterthought. They might only have one solid meal for the day, probably dinner, and that's pretty much it. And they can struggle more with the pitfall of, of doing mindless eating, but also not eating enough during the day and then eating more at night because they're not making time for themselves. So I broke it down into the characteristics, the pitfalls, and then I also gave solutions. The dependent eater is the person that food is a major focal point. They might do more emotional eating. They might be food is, is used for entertainment and reward and celebration, but also when they're lonely or sad. So positive and negative emotions alike can be used with the dependent eater. And they can also deal with more of emotional stress eating. Then we have our judgmental eater. And these might be more of my clients and my readers and my listeners um, of people who have been more like serial dieters. They've gone from one diet to the next diet and everything is, this is good and this is bad. And I can't have that on this diet. And I can't do that because it's this many points or it's not 12 o'clock yet. I can't eat. Like everything is like one way or the other. They often judge themselves and then they often might judge others as well. They might be that person at the table. That's, oh my God, that's so many calories. That's so fattening. That's so bad for you. There's so many 
processed. There's so many uh, additives in that. There's so many, it's too processed. Why are you eating that? So there's a lot of that type of language used. And for them, they're going to struggle with a lot of like that all or nothing mentality. Like they're either fully on and they're doing it all the time, or they're like not doing anything because they've set it up where it has to be so extreme. And so it, which is not realistic at all. And then it inevitably leads them to go the opposite direction and feel out of control. And then the last one is the obsessive eater. And I put this in there because let's face it, anytime you put weight loss or any book that has weight loss or diet or anything related to that, the low hanging fruit are the people that have the most issues with food. Oftentimes they might already have eating disorders, have history of eating disorders, have really bad disordered eating that's bordering on an eating disorder. So I made sure to add that in there as almost like a warning and a disclaimer that if you identify as more of an obsessive eater, where you're obsessing about food and weight and weighing yourself multiple times a day and, and doing anything like that, it's like kind of like a, um, you know, a stop sign, not like you can't proceed at all, but you have to stop and think and maybe get help and get, uh, you know, yes. work through these things before, because any plan that you do can easily become very triggering, very negative, very destructive, mm -hmm. very dangerous. So that's why I made sure to add that fourth one in there. I love that you did that. Thank you for doing that because I think we leave out oftentimes a whole group of people yeah. that you just described. And, you know, your, your suggestions in your book takes all that into, you know, to, into consideration. And I think that's, you know, really important. I think one of the things I liked about the book was like just the ease of, of excitement about opening up your diet. And I think, you know, trying experimenting new things and not getting stuck in that rut. One of the things that we had in common that I, you know, is so important to talk about that I do want to talk about, and it does bring that functional medicine back into food. And that was your experience with fertility and your experience with food and fertility. And that was a big part of your book. Now, I just want to remind, I just want to tell everybody that, that that may not know Lisa and, you know, before you go find more about her, but, you know, we teach what we need to learn. And early on, Lisa had her own struggles with weight and body image, and we still have body image. I still have body image yeah. struggles. I know you yeah. still have body image yeah. struggles and, you know, this day of social media and, and all that stuff, but you went through fertility struggles and you highlight that in the book. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that and what that meant to you and how the, your relationship with food, you know, yeah. really, how did that stack the odds in your fit? You know, the food didn't make you infertile or make you fertile, but it stacked the odds in your favor. So talk to us about it. Yes. And I love talking about this because, you know, and I, I think nowadays it is talked about more. I think it's not talked about enough, but I think it is talked about more. It's less taboo. People feel less shame because you could really feel a lot of shame. My body isn't doing what it's supposed to looking yes. around you. Everybody's like, you know, trying for one month and peeing on a stick and positive and posting it on social media yes. for the world to see. It's like, we live in this age, like you said, social media age. So yeah, I, I, but I still think it needs to be talked about more because everyone does have their own experience with it and happens for different reasons. I'm seeing more and more of it in my practice. I have a more and more clients coming in with it. And that's part of partially why I was almost like, even though it wasn't easy and I'll, you know, the road to, to, to having my kids. And I, I fortunately did have a happy ending and not everybody does, yeah. or maybe they have to make their own by adopting or deciding yes. like they're not going to have any kids. And that's, you know, a whole other. Okay. Too. Whole other yeah. That's all that. Yep. Yep. So for me, I was eventually able to do it. I did have to do some fertility treatments. Uh, for me, it started when I was on birth control pill, which I think is what a lot of people's stories start off with. I was on birth control pill for like 15 years. I think it was a really, really long time yeah. because I had heavy, painful periods. And instead of investigating and saying, let's figure out what's going on, we just slap that good old bandaid on it. And yep. that was it. And I didn't prescribe the pill. Yeah. And I was young and I'm like, this is great. You know, Right. I feel free. I don't have to worry about getting pregnant. And I also yes. like my period. So there was a lot of benefits to it as my sure. skin was really nice. I was that person that had better skin on, on birth control pills. So I didn't mind it. But then eventually when I got married and I knew I wanted to have kids pretty quickly because I was already in my thirties, not that being 30 means you're old at all. But for me, that was, I wanted kids. The already. time clock so, does start ticking. You know, it really does. It is, it it's is a real. biological is, clock. It is a thing and it happens. Let's just say, put it that way. So we, we started and, and immediately, like I just noticed my periods weren't regular and they said, well, maybe wait it out. And you know, it really wasn't like that for me. Actually, most of my doctors were kind of like, well, let's do an exam and let's do this. And I, I kind of, I, I will not blame anybody. And I am so appreciative for every single 
person professional I met in my journey, but I did feel a little rushed through the process mm-hmm. where it wasn't like a, okay, well, you could wait a little bit and try this and try that and do this. There was really very little of that. It was like, okay, let's go to reproductive uh, entrepreneurs. Okay. Let's start you on IUIs. Let's start you on Clomid or Letrozole. And then if it doesn't work after two or three tries, we'll just go right to the IVF. Like, what are we waiting for? And it, uh, you know, and part of me was like, yes, I mean, I don't want to wait. I want to have kids. So part of me was giving into it. And the other part was like, this is all really fast and overwhelming. Like, and, and part of me knew it was like, there was something off. I'm like, why? Like I hadn't even been trying on my own naturally for three months when I was told like, this is what we should do. And I hadn't even really been trying that much with the reproductive endocrinologist where he suggested IVF. But at the end of the day, they did help me. It was my decision. No one put a gun to my head and said, you need, so I, I will take ownership for that. And I'm happy the way it worked out was the way that it was supposed to work out for me. And that's it. Um, but I, had to do a lot of my own being a dietitian. I knew about, I knew about fertility nutrition. Um, I was diagnosed with a hormonal imbalance. So I knew, which now apparently isn't there. So it's very strange for me because I see that a lot of other patients where they'll go off birth control pill, things will be a little off. And then, you know, like they're diagnosed with PCOS or, or, you know, just thyroid, you know, there's all these other, other conditions. Thyroid usually can actually come in and out and be um, resolved on its own. So for now everything's fine. Blood work is fine. So that's very interesting to me that it kind of fluctuated or kind of went from one place to the other, a whole other topic. So I ended up doing a lot of my own research. And through that, I learned so much more about fertility nutrition, about managing hormonal imbalances, about inflammation and how that can play a role, about the importance of not over-exercising, not under-exercising, but not over-exercising, managing stress and sleep, making sure you're not eating too little and you're not underweight because if you're, or let's call it under fat, having too little body fat can also be really, really problematic. And what we know now too, is it's better to have a little extra fat than not enough fat for fertility. So there's a lot that opened me up in my career. And I was lucky that I was able to take a lot of this and really do something with it. Not everybody can, not everybody does this for a living. So for me, I was able to learn so much more that I can then be more compassionate with my clients struggling with it. I had more advice for them. I had more information. I was able to just talk to them in a way because it's such a sensitive topic. Oh my gosh, is it a sensitive topic in a way that I knew I want stuff that I wanted to hear. So I'm very grateful for that entirely. And the reason that some people struggle, you know, and like I said, everybody's different. Not everybody struggles to get pregnant. People that do um, struggle, it could be for so many different reasons. So I always, I would say this, I would say you can trust in Western medicine if you want to use uh, you know, modern technology and medicine and, and, and do reproductive, uh, go to reproductive endocrinology and, and go through that whole route then go for it. Don't feel bad about it. But if you're hesitant and you want to wait, there are other options. There's things that you can look into. We can look into the nutrient density of your diet. We can look into inflammation. We can look into functional nutrition and doing tests and looking at gut health and looking at uh, hormones and looking at, um, you know, inflammation in your body and looking at, there's just so many different micronutrient status. And so there's, and like you mentioned mitochondria, all that stuff, all that stuff. And like you said too, the toxins and, and are you drinking things out of plastic? And we know that could be an endocrine disruptor, a major one. So there's all these other things that we could look into that can really make a difference. Even like artificial sweet, artificial um, sweeteners. I call it sweet poison. They're the worst. So, Just use the sugar, please. So Throw the it, sweet and low away. And this is the thing. At the end of the day, the studies to date, we don't have a lot of conclusive human trials on the dangers of artificial sweeteners. Most of them are done in rats. But so, so just because we don't have proof that it could be harmful, you know, like concrete proof in humans, doesn't mean that it's good for you. Doesn't mean that it's helpful. And now newer studies I'm seeing are coming out showing that it can actually increase insulin, increase blood sugar, which if you have a hormonal imbalance could be a major contributor. That could be a major, major catalyst. So 
people think, oh, I'm trying to keep my blood sugar down. I'm trying to keep my, my hormones in check. So let me just do diet this and sugar-free that and sugar-free this. But you don't realize like you could actually be causing more. more yeah, that's that's all that. where the education of the choice yeah. comes in, right? You know, yeah. and for those out there that are that are love, they're sweet and low. Stevia tastes exactly the same, first of all, and it's totally natural. So if you, I don't love that aftertaste, you know, right. and I, I sweeten my... Um, beyond fresh products with stevia, but it's yep. such a low amount. Like I don't have an aftertaste. So I was able to use a natural sweetener yep. because you, like you said, you want people to enjoy the food that they're eating. You know what I mean? And if everything yep. tastes like cardboard or, or you know, a, a kernel of rice, no one's going to be excited. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because whether it's fertility or weight loss or whether you just don't feel well, you want to, you want to feel better. You're not sleeping well. You, you know, you, you have lethargy. Nothing in life, you guys, is gonna, is there's no silver bullet. There's no quick fix. There's no easy answer. It's taken you this long to feel the way you feel. Give yourself a minute to unfeel these things and to find your way through new choices. Even what you were just talking about with fertility. You're so well-versed in it. It's so personal. Plus you're a nutritionist and registered dietitian. You know, you're spewing off stuff because you're so well, well versed Mm -hmm. in it that like, I'm like, what did she say? What test was it? (laughs) But this is the whole point is, is that when you get educated by something, you start to become passionate about it. Your awareness increases, your understanding increases. And now you looking at yourself from day one, when you couldn't have a baby to where you stand right now today with your two kids how much more knowledgeable are you? What's the wisdom that you have gained in that experience? So even if it didn't turn out well for you, this is the point you said, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Every challenge that we have in life only brings us more wisdom, more understanding, closer to you know our understandings of our behaviors, the way our bodies work, the choices we make, and the noise out there trying to get our attention all the time, grabbing for our dollars, grabbing for our sickness. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You know, you have to remember big food, big pharma hospitals, they all make money on our illnesses, yeah. but, and thank God they're there to treat us when we need to, but it's our jobs to stay out of the hospital. It's our job, right. To yeah. listen to our body and control some of the things that are in our control and then give ourselves pause and time to learn about the things we don't understand and trial and error with yourself. You know, like I said, what works for Lisa may not work for me and what works for you may not work for you today may not work for you in six years when you're menopausal or something like that. So I think we have to look at all of that. Well, Lisa, with all that you do, how do you find your freedoms outside of helping people feel their best and get to that weight they want? Yes. So what do I do outside of when I'm a dietitian? So for me, you know, I, because I'm a business owner, I mean, I, I own my practice. I manage it for the most part. Um, I will fully admit I, I, I need to balance it a little better. I'm not the best at it. And my husband will tell you, he's like, you work way too much. So, but it's because I'm so passionate and because half the time it really doesn't feel like work. The other time it does, it is definitely not easy. And I, and I love that it's also challenging, but with, you know, also rewarding. So for me, I really, always try to find like once a week where I can do something social. I try to plan things. I mean, I'm a planner. Like I love having things on the schedule. Like, even if it doesn't happen, I just love to make the plans. (laughs) Even if we're like talking about a month from now and like at the end, we're like, no, I don't feel well. You don't feel well. But it's just like, it keeps- Reserve the space. It does. Just to know, just keeps me grounded to have that balance. And so- I just do what I can. I mean, I live in Manhattan and it's just a, anyone that's ever even stepped foot in here knows that it can be very crazy and stimulating and so many things are happening at the same time. But I also love that. I'm it's like at heart, I am just a city girl and I will always be a city girl. So I just figure it out when I can. I go to the gym three times a week. That's it. People say, how much do you work out? How, like, what do you eat every day? And I'm like, you know, let's not even get, I hate that question. Cause it's like, what I eat has nothing, nothing to do, to with, do with you. Like we're going to compare how much we breathe oxygen every day. Why are we going to compare how much food we eat every day? But I try to make that time for myself. I get my back massages once a week at the nail salon. Like I do those little things yes. when I know I need it to keep myself sane. And I also have two young kids. They just started school. So it's always a balancing act. Like, I don't think anyone just always feels like they have 
all of the balls in the air. Like one's going to drop here and there at any point. Like that's it. We can, and I love that. Say, like we can have it all, but we can't, we can't expect to have it all at one time. You just can't. Yes. So that's kind of the motto that I live by. And I just do the best I can to always like be, you know, going after what I want, doing what I want when I can and just, that's it, you know, and accepting that there's going to be good days and bad days and there's going to be great months and shitty months. And there's going to be, sorry for cursing. There's going to be good years and bad years. And like, that's it. That's life. That's why I love that. Well, you never have to apologize for cursing here. (laughs) See that, that in itself was so beautiful because I hope everybody listens to that, that the dietitian, you know, the expert, the book writer, we, we all still struggle with balance and trying to find her. Just remember when you were juggling, there's always two things in the air and you can only hold on to one. So you got to kind of go with it. Well, listen, you know, your book has really created a bridge, I think in the gap of losing weight and making healthier choices because because they do go hand in hand. They really do. And, you know, your he- a healthy relationship with food and the science behind it. I just appreciate you so much. And thanks so much for your time and being here with us. For those of you who don't um, already follow Lisa, Lisa, where can they find you and find out more about you or potentially even sign up for, um, you know, in New York City to be a part yeah. of your nutrition group? Thank you so much. Yeah. So my practice name is New York Nutrition Group. So it's NY is in newyorknutritiongroup.com. We have a big practice. We act, we also take health insurance, which not many people realize, but insurance often does cover visits with dietitians because yes. I believe in making it accessible and not this luxury thing that only Thank you. people can have access to. Uh, so that's the practice name. You can book appointments right on the website. My handle uh, is the best way to find me. It's probably on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Um, Lisa M. Nutrition is my handle. And then my book is the core three healthy eating plan, which people can get at most major retailers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you can also buy it right from my website. Amazing. And one last question. Do you do zoom coaching a year? That's what I thought. Yeah. So insurance now covers virtual telehealth. That's right. So you don't have to live in New York city to get the beautiful, wonderful New York city based Lisa Moskowitz. (laughs) Thank you so much for all of your time today. I am Heather Thompson. This is in my heart. Please be sure to tune in next week for a new episode. We'll be back at you. Thanks again. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.